0: What you come to find with Kubernetes is there's no such thing as corporate altruism, right? At the end of the day, we all are involved in these projects for reasons, right? And a mentor of mine, Jovita, has said several times that you should wear your wear your agenda on your sleeve.
1: Welcome to the Open at Intel podcast, where we're all about open source, from software to security to innovation and beyond. I'm your host, Catherine Druckman, an open source evangelist at Intel bringing you leading edge, free-ranging conversations from some of the best minds in the open source community. Let's get into it. I sat down with Stephen Augustus, head of open source at Cisco, right in the middle of the All Things Open Conference. We delved into Steven's journey in open source, his impactful contributions to Kubernetes, and the importance of community involvement. We also touched on the idea of job automation, software supply chain security, and the innovative OpenSSF Sportcard project. I had a great time and I think you will too. So, hey, Stephen. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. It's been probably a long day for you. A lot of activity going on, a lot of stuff, but I really appreciate you taking a little time. Yeah. To happy to be me. here.
0: Thanks for inviting me.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about this. I kind of say that about everybody, but I mean it. I get to talk to a lot of really interesting people.
0: I'm excited too. I'm very excited privileged, too. I
1: frankly. Yeah. So, so for those who don't know, Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
0: Sure. Uh, Steven Augustus, everyone. I am the head of open source at Cisco. Uh, so I've been there almost, it's going on three years now. And I got the job because I spend a lot of time in open source communities. So Kubernetes is my my baby, my sweetheart, my darling. I've been in Kubernetes for, I don't know, six years and change at this point, I think. I'm one of the Kubernetes steering committee members, I work on SIG release, uh, so I'm one of the co-chairs for SIG release and a release engineering team leader, which means that my team is actually responsible for clicking the button to release Kubernetes every cycle. Outside of that, I'm one of the OpenSSF governing board members alongside Arun and and lots of lovely folks. I'm one of the maintainers for OpenSSF Scorecard. So I'm sure we'll get I'm into a fan. Scorecard. I SS- we uh, exactly might. Yeah. I, I think Intel's been making some contributions lately, so I'd love to get into that. We're all big fans. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am actually yes, full disclosure, I am currently the co-chair of the marketing committee.
0: Ah,
1: I'm also a very big fan, and I, I love an excuse to talk about it. Um, actually, this is a good, a good starting point. Yeah. I, you're a person who really does give back a tremendous amount of time to various open source projects and communities. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how you got started and what made you really go all in there.
0: Yeah, so I started, I was at CoreOS in 2017, 2018, like up to, the, up to and through the, uh, the Red Hat acquisition. And we had, a, we had a potential client that we were waiting to, to close. And that client was, uh, I remember my boss telling me, hey, keep a suitcase packed. Um, we, might close, we might close this very soon and you'll have to fly out. And uh, so at the time, I was a customer success engineer our, uh, within kind of like our field engineering and uh, training group. And um, sure enough, we closed the client and they were like, hey, all right. So uh, Monday, you'll be, you'll be heading over to Seattle to check this out. And uh, I was like, cool, next Monday? Like the, the Monday after next? He was like, no, 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 this Monday. So he, he told me on Thursday and I was like, okay, bag is packed. We're ready to go to Seattle. So the, the client in question was Starbucks. Oh, wow. And um, we had, so Tectonic was the Kubernetes distribution uh, that that CoreOS was offering at the time, and we had a, a nice chunky project around providing Tectonic uh, Azure support for Tectonic, and that involved uh, there were lots of things that kind of were not complete. You know, I, I think it's always uh, you know sometimes you have like aspirational mm-hmm. uh, you know thoughts for for, for certain features, and um, the the Azure support was was something that was was kind of needed to be built up. Um, so I spent a lot of time investigating uh, we had uh, terraform terraform is kind of like the, the provisioning stack for tectonic and there were some things that I had to go fix in, in Terraform or things I had to understand why they weren't working in Terraform. So it involved some contributions to like, the load balancer support within Terraform, learning HCL, and learning how to like build up a module and, and actually getting some traction to, to get some of those changes merged. And then I realized that some of the changes that I actually had to make were not in Terraform. They were actually in Kubernetes to be able to like flip various switches. And at that point, I started poking around Kubernetes. I started in SIG Docs, um, which is a lot of contributors' entry point for Kubernetes. Uh, Great SIG, they maintain the website, kubernetes.io. And I was like, I need to find this information. I spent some time in SIG Docs. I spent some time in... uh, a SIG Azure, so SIG is a special interest group for Kubernetes, so they're one of the various governing groups, so they're either vertical or, or, or horizontal or project-level uh, governance groups, so SIG Azure was the one that was dedicated to to um, improvements uh, um, and enablement with with um, Microsoft Azure. So that's, that's kind of how I got started in Kubernetes. I spent a lot of time uh, kind of in service of building out the functionality within Tectonic, and then I just... I got hooked on the community and yeah. I was like, let's do more. Where else can I go? Yeah,
1: cool communities can really suck you in that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is, it, it's a great, it's a great feeling, I think. And it, it, it's just, it's very validating and it encourages more and more contribution and more involvement. Yeah. And it's, that's, you know, communities succeed and, and Kubernetes really, in my mind, is such a tremendous success story in recent open source history, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, there have been many, of course, very you know significant uh, success success stories in
0: open but source. But like, a, as Kubernetes is huge. Yeah, as one of the, if not the largest golang based open source project on the internet, it is. It is an honor to be able to contribute to it. It's an honor to actually be responsible for for you know being part of the team that releases it. And there are so many parts of it that. If you look at smaller open source projects, you can you can see some of the patterns emerging that, you know, we may not see anymore because we are a community that has gotten, you know, we're a little past that infancy stage. Mm-hmm. Um, well past the infancy stage really, right? So
1: what do you attribute the success to? I mean it's a, it's a good technology, right? But but yeah. more than that, the community part. You know, what makes a what makes a successful community like that? You know, how and you, you obviously come from a place of being an open a good open source citizen. Right. but but it's more it takes more than that it takes really um, appreciating your contributors it, it, it takes making people feel valued and I have a lot of opinions but I would like to hear more about yours.
0: <laughs> so I so I gave a keynote um, at, at all things open and, and depending on when this comes out it will you know yeah, we'll timelines will uh, you know timelines will align um, about maintainership and kind of the inverse of a talk that I gave last all things open uh, around maintaining the maintainers right so that talk was really uh, two maintainers about how to protect themselves from doing too much work from not being intentional about what they want out of their projects and I think what you what you come to find with Kubernetes is one, one of the things that I said was there's there's no such thing as corporate altruism, right? At the end of the day, we all are involved in these projects for reasons, right? And a mentor of mine, Joe Beta, has said several times uh, that you should wear your wear your agenda on your sleeve, right? When you contribute to open source, it's especially if you're a corporation. Um, people know that you're 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 there for a reason, right? And being honest about that, what that reason is, can, kind of kind of push you towards success, push you towards actually having real conversations with the community. So I think part of Kubernetes success is the fact that there are very large companies invested in seeing it be successful, right? We've got several cloud providers that are on board with Kubernetes. We've got service providers, companies that ship distributions for Kubernetes that are invested in the success of Kubernetes. So I think that that, you know, if if you really dig down, that is... That is one of the base layers of it, right, that there is corporate and financial support coming towards the project because of that. And then on top of it, we layer lots of great people, process, policy, tooling that is usable outside of just our ecosystem that has set an example for Kubernetes being the first graduated project within the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. It sets the, the tone for a lot of the projects that come behind it. And it sets the tone for the process and policies that we might have on the CNCF level for things that the, the, the talk or the, the technical um, oversight committee might do. And even some of the, the governance shapes like the, the technical advisory group for com- contributor strategy at the CNCF level was inspired by and initially led by some of the co-chairs of the uh, the special interest group for contributor experience within kubernetes right so there are lots of uh, there are lots of patterns that we have built up over time in and seeing a community be successful and and part of it is part of it is under understanding the needs of the people who are contributing understanding the needs of the people who want to consume the project i think being really intentional about what we intend to provide and how to contribute to the project as well
1: do you feel? Uh, does it ever feel uh, a bit overwhelming to to know how much of the world is powered by the software for which you have so much influence?
0: It is so overwhelming, honestly. It is, um, and I, and I think when you when you really get into a larger project like Kubernetes, I feel like some people want to understand it all, and there's a freedom that comes with understanding that you can't understand it all. Um possible. you know, like the project has gotten so large even for the project elders, you know, who are, you know, some some no longer contribute. Um some contribute as time allows. And I guess I have I, I guess I'm second generation elder at this point, second, third generation elder. But it, it really is um you you realize that you're contributing to something that's yeah. so much larger than you. And if you can if you can put like one, you know, like just one ripple into the, you know, kind of into the stream, knowing that like that's going to ripple out to multiple open source projects. Like, you know, I am one of the co-founders of the Kubernetes enhancement proposals, and seeing like one. I'm sorry if you have ever written a Kubernetes enhancement proposal, um, because they're not necessarily easy, but I promise you they're worth it. But also seeing different projects adopt. The enhancement proposals so there they have been you know they took heavy inspiration from the python peps or the you know the python enhancement proposals or rust rfcs um and we and we put our own spin on it we put our own spin on it we put some 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 tooling around it and and to see like different projects adopted and like wow that's something i did like, you know that, that's something i helped i helped create it's just very cool. And, and, but yes, it's absolutely overwhelming sometimes.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that you acknowledged that some things are kind of unknowable. It's weird. If you've been around long enough working in this field, The com- increasing complexity is something that is kind of difficult to grasp, right? If you've been around, there used to be these full stack developers. Like, what is that anymore, right? Yeah. There used to be people who kind of knew how everything works. And like, even even the idea, the word deployment is kind of amusing. If you like kind of go back in the history of of your mind, if you've been. You know. it's,
0: it's it's that it's it's uh, it's deployment. It's uh, software supply chain security. Yeah. It's cloud computing. All of these things. It's it's AI. AI is a great example, right? Where where to understand all of the components of the system, you you have to spend so much time in different areas, right? It it, it is not enough. Uh, not not knowledge that just one person can contain, yeah. right, or one group of people can contain.
1: Kind of overwhelming. So you said something interesting that I really appreciated. Oh no, it was, oh, no, was great. No, I, are you being accidentally very interesting? <laughs> I think it's intentional. <laughs> but you said you said wearing your agenda on your sleeve. I yes. think that's that's fantastic. I, I love the way you put that. Um, so I mean, you do you have a role in a company, and a company is in the business of making money, yep. and so you know you obviously have an agenda there. But I wondered. You know, how, from your perspective, and I've asked this of a lot of people who kind of run these open source programs. Did they
0: give good answers? What were they? No. You'll have to listen <laughs> no, to the no, podcast. No, no. <laughs> Wait, what's the question? <laughs> so yeah, I'll get question.
1: So I'm wondering, um, you know, how do you decide where to put your energy and resources? And what, what are you really concentrated on right now? Like, I know everybody's talking about supply chain security. Yeah, That's important. I mean, you are involved in the OpenSSF. What, what else are you involved in?
0: I you know I think the the two big buzzwords right now it's it, it's definitely are I mean there are multiple words all together as acronyms and things mm-hmm. but uh, software supply chain security for sure and um, and AI yep. has been a huge focus and I think everyone you know between the general interest in in, in corporations as well as the eye that governments have had on open source recently mm-hmm. um, it, it is a it's a catalyzing event right for for a lot of folks that work in open source right it's an opportunity because it it does seem that People are paying attention and people are actually um, listening yeah. to, to, to what we're saying. So I spend, I think, a lot of the time that we, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's the, it's the classical product development problem where you've got that constant balance between feature development and, um, and you know, technical debt removal, mm-hmm. right? Where you build up enough in either direction, it means you're not looking after the other one, right? um so so for me i think there is sustainability of I, I kind of look at at open source in in three lenses right or like the the multiple hats that i wear are kind of simplified down to like contributors maintainers sponsors right and that's that's effectively what my role is right how can i help people be more effective at contributing to projects how can i be more effective and and help the groups that i uh, I'm a part of in, in, in maintaining projects. How can I make that more effective? And how can I, as head of open source at, at Cisco, sponsor the right projects at the right times and be able to sustain that sponsorship, be able to sustain contributions, right? I don't want it to be a, a hollow action, yeah. right? So, so aligning, I think, aligning internal interests with sustainability efforts for open source projects is... Is a path to success um, in, in looking at open source initiatives and looking at how you know open source program offices can or should function. And it, all signs are pointing to, to software supply chain security and, and AI right now.
1: Yeah, they really are. Uh, well, okay. So as long as as long as we're talking about software, ah, I yes. Back up a little bit. We yep. all have twenty four hours in our day. We all—that's all we get. Twenty four hours. And you are involved in a lot of things. So it is interesting to me that you, you have placed a, a lot of emphasis on your involvement in the OpenSSF, which I greatly appreciate. And the rest of the open source world, I hope, does too. So one, how do you find time to be so involved in Kubernetes and uh, security projects and scorecard? And yeah, yeah so I'll so that, start with that one.
0: Yeah, sure. So um, I think it's the realization that you don't have as much time as you think you do, right? And you build towards um, replacing yourself, right? So, so when people talk about DevOps and automation, you know, various platform engineering or whatever you want to call it, it's like it's it's the the whole concept of automating yourself out of a job, right? Mm-hmm. And in open source, you should be, especially if you're a maintainer of a project, um, you should be building sustainable practices so that you don't necessarily have to be the only one sharing the load, and. You know, I, I take I'll take Sig Release for example. So I uh, initially, when I started uh, co-chairing Sig Release, I was doing so with uh, Tim Pepper over at VMware's um, Open Source Technology Center, and uh, we I think every you know quarter to six months we would check in and say like, okay, how do we replace ourselves? Like, what's the next thing that we need to do to get closer to to this group not needing us anymore, and. So Kubernetes like we allow for like in, in our gov- governance rosters, we allow for like a certain amount of uh, chairs and technical leads in in our special interest groups, at least, right? So I think over the, the, you know the last few years I've worked towards building out, you know we started off with one chair and, and we started off with two chairs, and then we, we grew to two chairs and a technical lead, and then we're like, okay, two chairs and two technical leads. Uh, two chairs and three technical leads. OK. Now three chairs three chairs and two technical aids and then three chairs and, and three technical aids, right so I I feel um, I feel really proud of that team and that I spent some time when I was on the release team so uh, the uh, sig release has multiple like sub projects right so like sub projects are areas of, of code or content that a, that a special interest group owns and one of them and i think maybe one of the more popular groups within kubernetes is called the release team and the release team funny enough is not actually um wholly responsible for releasing kubernetes right release team has a very important job of reaching out across all of the groups within kubernetes and gathering the information to determine whether or not it is fit for release right at the at a certain timeline right reporting out that status to the Sagan, and to the wider community. And then the release engineering subproject manages the tooling and actually pushing the button to release Kubernetes, right? So they're two separate groups. And when I was on the release team, I spent, um, I worked on features, which became enhancements. And I realized we didn't have any documentation for it. We were managing the, this is kind of like why, you know, part of why we, we kind of went forward with the KEP process. Um, I said, "Okay, hey, you know, Ehor, I'm going to I'm going to sit by you, and I'm just going to write down everything that you do, because right now we're managing this on a spreadsheet, and it seems like we could probably be doing this a little better, right, a little differently." So I went to work creating one of the first uh, role handbooks for the release team, and then we went down the list of all the roles, so like CI signal and communications and docs and release notes. And like we we wrote down exactly what every role did during the release, um, and that got us to a point where we were able to expand the release team in terms of like shadows and people who were picking up lead roles because they actually understood what they were walking into and how to execute the role. Um, and then I left the release team and spent some time in. Uh, so I was also one of the co-chairs of Sig PM who's responsible for like products program and, and project management for Kubernetes. And we got to work doing uh, like executing on the, the Kubernetes enhancement proposals. Right. Um, so then, you know, this is another artifact that we lay down that allows people to say, I know what's going into this. I know the timeline. I know the resources that are required. I know the potential breaking changes, the test suites that we need to build into the plan. Um, so you get to a point where you're like, ah, I've built somewhat of a process here that i don't necessarily need to be in the loop right so everything that you step towards it's how can how can i get to a point where i don't need to be a part of this directly um and so so really scaling yourself and doing that across multiple projects is how i found the time um i think i think there's as you said there's never enough time in the day and there are a lot of projects to steward but Helping helping people steward them, you know, by, by laying down like good process is has has been part of the work.
1: So, given all of that, obviously scorecard yeah is very important to you. You value it enough to contribute your time. Yes. Uh, tell us tell us a little bit about that. What you know, why why do you think this is so important?
0: Yeah, so so I I recognize that. So in, internally at, at Cisco and. And I'm sure for every you know every ASPO uh, or open source review board um, that exists, uh, there is some process that defines how code goes from internal to to open source. Right? It's it's license review. It's it's understanding the community health files. Uh, you know, the contributing MD. Does this project have a code of conduct? What's the security policy for reporting vulnerabilities? Is there a vulnerability management team? Um, are we keeping the dependencies up to date in the project? Are we not committing, you know, binaries, for example, or is there branch protection, right? So some of the some of the things that might be involved in just repo hygiene in general, and, and more specifically important for an open source project, because like if I can't understand what a project does, how it works, who's involved in like responding to my issues, I don't contribute to it or I don't consume it, right? So for, for Scorecard, I found that it was answering a lot of those questions. And, I, and I, I found it as a potential vector for making my life internally easier, right? Like How can I accelerate? Um, because at the time, I, I think it is maybe just myself in the OSPO um, reviewing basically this help desk of of um, you know uh, outbound uh, contribution requests, we call them OSC requests for a company of uh, eighty thousand people, right? Eighty thousand plus people at this point, right? Not sustainable. Absolutely not sustainable. I was like, I need to sprinkle magic, automation, something. There's a tool somewhere, and I I ran into Scorecard, and I was like, ah, oh, wait, this, could be the this answer. might be it. <laughs> this might be it. And I think the the combination of Scorecard and All Star, which is a is a GitHub app. So, so just to, for the the, the listeners, um, Scorecard is a project that does a uh, it does it's a scorecard that has a series of checks um, and and kind of going into some of those checks that I, I described. What are what's going on with the community health files? Do you have ba- branch protection? How is this project maintained? How often? What, what's the commit frequency? You know, who are the maintainers? And down down the line of things that you might look at to determine a project's viability. And so I found out much later that, uh, you know, and, and, and All Star is this it's a GitHub app. It's pretty cool. You can install it. And some of the checks from Scorecard feed into All Star. So they can actually annoy a, a, a repo maintainer to like, it will open up a GitHub issue if you've got. Um, if you've got uh, binaries checked into your repo, for example, or if you don't have branch protection enabled, and it will keep pinging on the issue until someone uh, 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 someone addresses it. You can tweak some of those features. Um, you can opt repos out of uh, out of that process. But the finding out a little later from the, the Google um, or Ghost, the Google Open Source Security team, that part of the reason that like, All Star exists is because Google's OSPO uses it was kind of a validator for me i was like ah another ospo with the same problem okay and i mean even more validating to to so i was at um the open ssf day in uh at open source summit in bilbao recently and uh, uh ryan ware at, yes. at intel uh Huge gave fan a talk. Of ryan. <laughs> yeah gave a talk about intel's usage of scorecard and i was like they're just like us. Yeah. Oh my God, we should. I should hang you out should with hang Ryan. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, so I think it, it's it's very validating to to have conversations with folks in in Ospos, and if you were part of an Ospo and you were not part of to do group, um, that is absolutely something that you should join. Uh, informal Chatham House rules uh, conversations with. People who are doing the same work that you're doing, and they are they're navigating through problems of of how to manage outbound, how to manage, how to understand uh, potential IP risks for you know for the software that you might be releasing, um, how to navigate the conversations around AI and is and we even consider AI to be open source, for example. Right?
1: Yeah, that's a whole. That's the. That's another episode. That's a whole different episode, <laughs> yeah, right? We, we should hang out. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so. You know, I have to say a couple a couple things. One, yeah. um, I actually had a conversation earlier in the year with Ryan, Ryan Ware, and Brian Russell, who at the time was uh, at Google, but also involved in the Scorecard yes. project. And we yes. go into more detail. I'll right. link it, it awesome. here. Yeah. I suspect a lot has actually changed since then. I mean, you know, projects evolve, right? Um, so, so that'll be kind of interesting to compare where Scorecard sits today versus... Six yeah. months ago or so.
0: Yeah. So so uh, Brian started working on Scorecard. I think as part of you know uh, as part of his role at Google, and it was just very cool to have a product manager in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think people don't understand the true value of having folks who have specific skills in product program and project management um, in open source projects. It's so needed. We 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 try to manage them like they're not. Yeah. They don't have the same value as the projects that you might be working on internally and they and they do
1: yeah um, so. and
0: it's and they're harder because you can't um, in open source projects you you have no means of actually directing resources there's no org chart right there is a there's a trust that you've built in the community to to be able to convince people to help you do something yeah. right um, and that is very hard to cultivate it takes time so having people who understand the intricacies of how to move a project from from zero to one and even further uh, is really important um so it was it was cool you know chatting with brian and i'm like hey we need a roadmap oh my god it would be really cool if we had like mission vision like values for this project like how we're like how we're going to move through the next you know next few months next year and 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 further and now we've got um we've got a bunch of fresh blood and and the the open SSF like Adrian. So Adrian is like one of our dedicated PMs for Scorecard, and it's very exciting getting to work with her and just work through. You know, I spend I spend a lot more time on. Um, I'm not writing as much code as I would like to, or as I, I don't know as as I would need to. I'm spending more time on. Like, what's the process? Like, let's, let's talk about the contributing docs. Like, let's fix that, right? If we want to bolster contributions, people have to understand how to do that, right? And, 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 um, and we're also working through, like, project donations. There are people who have made cool projects like Scorecard Monitor or Scorecard API Visualizer. They were like, hey, I, you know, I saw, I saw cool projects. I was like, hey, this would be really cool if it was part of Scorecard. And they're like, yes, let's do that. We would love to contribute this to, to, to the OpenSSF. So like we're working through a donation process right now and, um, and we're like, okay, well, we're onboarding new contributors. What's the process for that? What's the process for integrating a repo into the larger org? What are the permissions that they should have when they onboard as as new maintainers, right? So just being able to talk through the process of like making sure that the project can be successful when introducing new contributors is, is kind of what my focus has been lately. Yeah, very
1: cool. I, I think the scorecard is, you know, I, it's an it's an important project. I, I wish that scorecard were available back in my when I was an engineer when I was back in you know, trying to maintain a project. Yeah. You know that that all of the stuff that goes into evaluating the same questions. How, to, you know,
0: how yeah.
1: many dependencies do we all have yeah. now? I mean, it's mind-boggling, and you know, just having that kind of tool available to help automate some
0: of that. Absolutely, is so
1: handy. So I'm really happy we have people like you contributing to it. So thank you for that. Thank you. But yeah, gosh, I, I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I don't want to keep you <laughs> from the conference. I really appreciate this. I think you know, I would I would love to talk to you more. In yeah, the future. for sure. And, Anytime. Um, and and just you know, thank you, thank you for being such a huge part of so many communities and putting so much of your time into helping the rest of us figure it all out.
0: It's been a blast, honestly. I hope to continue it until I'm old and gray.
1: I uh, yeah, I do too. Thank you so much. Thank you. you Have a great time the rest of your (laughs) day. You've been listening to Open at Intel. Be sure to check out more from the Open at Intel podcast at open.intel.com slash podcast and at Open at Intel on Twitter. We hope you join us again next time to geek out about
0: open source.